Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today's episode, we've got a recap of the divisional round. What a great weekend of football. We're going to be previewing the championship round as well. A lot of breaking news coming out as far as players and their future with their teams, as far as some GM hires for your favorite team, the Chicago Bears. We've got tons of storylines going on, tons of teams, ups and downs, uh, overtime rules being discussed. Overall, again, one of the best weekends of football I've ever seen in my entire life, if not the best weekend of football I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm sure you've already heard that time and time again. So let's just jump straight into it. Let's start with the first game of the weekend, Bengals versus the Titans. What an incredible run by the Bengals there on. This is their first road playoff win in the history of the franchise. Good for them. Those young bucks are changing the narrative up there in Cincinnati. So have to be extremely thoroughly pleased with what they've done and how they've built this team. Joe Burrow is just absolutely ridiculous, but we'll get to that in just a second. This is the first AFC Championship game appearance since 1988. So again, completely changing the narrative, flipping the script on its head. Good for those guys. What a bright future they have. Joe Burrow, once again, absolutely ridiculous in this game. His stats won't blow you away or anything, but he was sacked nine times and anyone who wins a game like that deserves a shit ton of credit. That is just absolutely phenomenal. I think he can get beat on the dirt that many times, still throw for over 300 yards and pull out the win against a very, very tough Tennessee team in their own building. Nonetheless, just incredible what he did on Saturday afternoon, I guess, Eastern time. Jamar Chase continues to be excellent alongside T. Higgins, who also had a very good game. None of this should be news at all, but it's just incredible how young they are and doing all the things they're doing. It's just incredible to watch. The Titans have a better head coach. They've got they had a better game plan coming into the game, in my opinion. Uh, they had an extra week to prepare. Obviously, they're, they're the more talented team in terms of personnel. Um, but the Titans have Tannehill and the Bengals have Burrow, and that was really you know the biggest factor in this game of why the Titans lost and why the Bengals won. Um, one thing I do want to say about this week is not a whole lot of teams lost. Obviously, there was four teams that lost this weekend. You should you could be saying, what the hell are you talking about? I think more teams just didn't win than lose because all these games were so tight. They were so close. They were so competitive. I don't think you can really discredit any of the teams that lost. I think you just have to give a ton of credit to the teams that won. Anyways, let's get back to the Tannehill versus Burrow conversation. Uh, let's talk about Tannehill really quick. Loki may have sold this game for the titans um i'm gonna close my window really quick because i know you guys can hear this dog all right back to the Tannehill conversation sorry about that got the window closed hopefully you guys can't hear him anymore point is Tannehill may have sold this game for the titans he really must have the first play of the game really set the tone on this one it was a pick to jesse bates and Tannehill just honestly he made a terrible play he, he it that pick was entirely on him the DB just completely read the eyes of Tannehill. Tannehill absolutely locked onto Julio Jones. I think he was trying to get it there because he wanted to get Julio involved early just to get him, you know, get his feet about him, I guess. He's he's missed a lot of time. They've obviously had the week off. I think they wanted to establish him early, really have the defense respect him so other things would open up for A.J. Brown, as they did later in the game because A.J. Brown had a phenomenal game, by the way. He is absolutely ridiculous. 
But point is, um, it was just a really, really bad play by Tannehill. It was a ball that never should have been thrown. He completely should have never locked his eyes the entire time on a receiver. It's just anytime you see a quarterback doing that, it's most of the time, unless he ends up just completely breaking up wide open, it's not really a good thing if the quarterback just has his eyes on one receiver the entire time. And then, of course, there was a few more picks in this game that weren't the best. There was a tipped ball that Logan Wilson had, I believe, that was – um, but regardless, regardless, I think he had three um, INTs in this one, if I'm not mistaken. It's just three too many. It's it's in games like this, you just can't afford to have that happen. Um, and again, just the quarterback position is just so important in this sport when it really boils down to a lot of the times that the better quarterback, not always, of course, we just saw Aaron Rodgers lose to Jimmy Garoppolo, but quarterback is just so important with how much it matters and especially the mistakes that the quarterback makes. Um, it's just, you can't be too surprised that Burrow came out on top of Tannehill in this one. And then of course there's the part where Derrick Henry couldn't really get going. Um, in part, I think there was some rust there. He didn't look as quick as he normally does. Um, some of his cuts weren't as decisive as they normally would be, but I also think the Bengals just did a pretty good, damn good job containing him. DJ reader had a really, really good game in this one. He was very disruptive in the middle of that Bengals D line. Um, and of course, this game really left a big question in my mind. Can the Titans win with Tannehill? And of course they can. We've seen them win with Tannehill time and time again. They've got the number one seed. But I mean get over the hump with Tannehill. I mean win these big games. Win these types of games that we just saw this weekend. And honestly, I don't really know if they can. Um, I'm not saying that it's absolutely certain that they can't or anything like that. And my point is, I like Tannehill. But let's be honest, he was the second or third worst quarterback in this entire playoffs. You, you could argue he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. You can argue he's better than Jalen Hurts. And that's about where it ends, in my opinion. Um, are they going to go after a different quarterback this offseason? I think they should. I think, you know, we've seen teams like the Rams and, you know, the Buccaneers make aggressive moves for new quarterbacks, and it's helped them tremendously. Could we see something similar here happen in Tennessee? It's going to be very interesting to see. I think a guy like Russell Wilson would be an absolutely phenomenal fit. I've seen some people projected that he's going to end up there. Um, I really don't know if he's going to leave Seattle. I think there's a there's a chance he does, obviously. I just, I, I really don't know what to think right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stays at the same time. It kind of feels like 50-50 to me of where, what he ends up doing. Either way, the Bengals just have a different swagger about them right now. They're confidence is through the roof these guys are young they're hungry they want to change the narrative of their team and honestly i don't even think they care that much about where their team was in the past i feel like they have no pressure on their shoulders because they're just going out there and having fun they're going out there and leading you know grown-ass men and burrow is just like that he's stone cold like i said in my last episode he is a stone cold killer i think that was the word i used for him because he is he's he, <laughs> Man is not phased by anything. No no moment is too big for him. Even when he goes to Kansas City this weekend, obviously he's going to have to deal with a lot of the crowd noise. I don't think it's going to affect him whatsoever. I think he's going to do excellent in that game. I think the Bengals are going to cover the spread. Already already peeking a little, you know, a little preview into when I get to that game later on in this episode. But, I mean, there was a... There was a clip that's going around right now of Joe Burrow talking about how his headset went out and he was calling the plays for three or four plays on a certain drive. 
that is just all you need to know about Joe. He is extremely composed. He's extremely intelligent and he's playing years and years above his age. He's acting like an NFL vet. He seems like an NFL vet out there and he is just absolutely incredible. Continue to find ways to win and this team is rallying around him in big ways. So Bengals take down the number one seed Titans. Absolutely amazing game to start off the weekend. Evan McPherson's jerseys are selling out everywhere. Good for that guy. And Let's move on to the next game, which is obviously just the same. Game-winning field goal. Um, every single one of these games, if you don't already know, ended in a game-winning field goal in the last seconds or overtime. First time that's ever happened in NFL history. I believe with all four games coming down to the last second like that, or obviously in overtime, um, that is the first time in an entire postseason that there's been four of those such games. Never mind. Nevertheless, it happened in one weekend. So that was just incredible. Let's talk about the Niners versus the Packers now. I'm going to start by saying go Bears. I'll get to that later. They got a new GM. Uh, very excited for them. Always a good thing when the Packers aren't in the playoffs anymore. Always a good thing when, you know, Rodgers is sounding like he's not, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not going to come back to the Packers. Either way, this game really helps sway that decision, in my opinion, because I think if you get to an NFC Championship game or you get to a Super Bowl and you lose there, I think you're more enticed to come back but when you lose in the divisional divisional round excuse me after a bye um against you know your hometown team i think that's really going to impact him a lot and his impact his decision this offseason so yeah obviously i hope to god he gets out of green bay i don't necessarily want him to retire although i guess i you know wouldn't be opposed to it either i still think he has a lot left in the tank and i i think he shouldn't retire my point is i think he could still find a team and have a lot of success with them um i don't know if he can win a super bowl immediately with a team like that but uh it could be one of those scenarios where he goes to a different team shows a lot of promise gets a decent playoff run comes back again the next year and then wins it all i could see something like that happening whether it be a denver uh in indianapolis Indianapolis. Can you imagine Indianapolis with Aaron Rodgers? Just saying. They get one more receiver on that roster. Woo! That roster is loaded. That roster is juiced. But yeah, Denver, Indianapolis, teams like that. Um, even like Pittsburgh, if they bolster the offensive line a little bit, I think could be very, very good with an Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. But that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about right now. Let's get back to the Niners versus the Packers. I want to continue by saying the Niners defense absolutely showed up in this game. Maybe their offense didn't really show up, but their special teams in defense certainly did. I believe they're the first team in NFL history to win a playoff game with no offensive touchdowns. And it was very impressive to see how they dealt with the Packers offense outside of one, you know, or I guess a couple very good Aaron Jones catches it. They just, they handled the Packers offense as well as anybody has all year. They were extremely disruptive by just sending their front four without blitzing. It was very impressive to see how much they were moving the pockets, how many times you know Aaron Rodgers looked like he was going to get out of there, and then Nick Bosa caught him by an ankle, or DJ Jones was just pushing guys into Rodgers' laps. It was very, very impressive. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue to do it against the Rams. Fred Warner and Aziz Alshair, those dudes have speed up the ass at linebacker. They're extremely extinctive and extremely long and rangy as far as where they can get to on the field. Nowhere is off limits for those two guys. And they're going to need another performance like this from their defense if they want to beat the Rams. It sounds like Trent Williams is a little beat up after this game, and it's not entirely sure if he's going to be good to go against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. I know they've already beat the Rams once without him. But I really think they're going to need him back if they want to do this again. Debo Samuel just continues to 
be ridiculous. I mean, he, he doesn't have the craziest stats in this game, but when they showed up, or excuse me, when he showed up, he showed up in the very best moments and put this team into field goal range. Both teams happened to look a little flat, but I also think there was a factor of that being the weather and um, just overall, just in those weather games like that, those cold weather games, excuse me, um, obviously you'd expect the Packers to be a little less flat than they came out because they're very used to those conditions and the Niners aren't so. But again, we've been saying this for a few months now. The Niners are built to play in games like this. They can run the hell out of the ball. They play tough defense. And I was very impressed with how their secondary dealt with Devontae Adams. They kept him out of the red zone. He was under 100 yards receiving. 90 yards is you know not a bad stat line or anything like that. But only 10 yards a catch. Um, they contained him very well. Didn't let it get out of hand between that connection between him and Rodgers. was very impressed with how they played him. And I think some of the biggest takeaways outside of the Niners, you know, keeping their season alive is, of course, Aaron Rodgers. What's he going to do in the offseason? Is he going to leave or retire? Um, obviously, the Packers have a lot of cap issues this year, and he says he has no business being part of a rebuild, which I don't blame him. Uh, I think he really just wants to get another ring. And again, losing a game of this caliber in your own building has to leave a bad taste in the mouth. Uh, again, I think it'd be different if it was a championship game or even a Super Bowl that he lost this way. But I think the Packers are going to do everything in their power to keep him. I just don't really think it matters. And I would be surprised if he chose to retire. Like I said, it's just going to be very interesting to see what decision he ends up making. Next, we have the Rams versus the Bucks. This was the biggest ass whooping of the weekend. This was the least close game by a mile. And yet it only, <laughs> it only ended up being a three-point game. And the Rams had to win it off a last-second field goal. But I mean, the Bucks just in the, especially particularly in the beginning of the game, before the Rams' pass rush really got worn down and a little tired, the Bucks just had no answers for that. They, they Brady was on consistent pressure, and it took again, it took a lot of wearing down. It also didn't help that the Bucks' offense, on top of Brady being consistently pressured, just came out extremely flat. They did not look prepared. There were miscommunications. There were missed throws. There were a couple drop passes, particularly by Mike Evans, who's normally very sure-handed. You don't really see like things like that. So again, the first half, they just dug themselves a hole, and the Rams took advantage of it. The Rams executed their game plan very well. They were patient with the run game, although it wasn't ever, you know, you know, taking over the game like we saw against the Cardinals. That's not what it was at all. It was more so just being forcing the Bucks to at least respect the run game. They didn't completely get away from it like I thought they were going to, and or more so than I thought they were going to be forced to. Because again, I think they could have gotten more away from it if the Bucks offense just could have put up some points at all in the first half but the fact that the rams just were so far ahead it gave them the luxury of really being able to be flexible with their play calls and i think that was you know very impactful on the game in the long haul but again the bucks offense just missed opportunity after opportunity and of course you never want to count brady out even when it was 27 to 3 the rams just completely screwed up the games for themselves the bucks did not come back in this game I mean, well, of course they did technically, but the Rams allowed them to. The Rams were the ones that they were completely in control of their own destiny and they completely almost screwed the pooch on their own destiny because there were so many, you know, missed opportunities and fumbles. They had four fumbles in this game and still won. That's all you got to know about how much of an ass whooping it is and how much they kicked the Bucks' ass this entire game. I mean, seriously, they just to fumble four times and still win a game, that is 
But what can I, what else can you say? That's just like, that's not supposed to happen. I'll just, I'll just say that. Seriously, there's so many times where they could have put this game away, but Cam Akers fumbled twice. Cooper Cup had a very uncharacteristic fumble, which, you know, he's been tackled like that fucking hundred times throughout the season. And of course, the main story of this game has become the call on the last throw of the game. And it was an all out blitz. And of course, like everyone, I fucking hated the play call. I just don't understand it. But the point is, before I really got get into this play call, because it was an awful play call, don't get me wrong, it never should have gotten to that point. Let's be honest. If the Bucks offense just showed up earlier and they weren't forced for so many three and outs and it didn't, they didn't have to rally all those troops and get all those things to go their way in order to make this a tie game, this never would have happened in the first place. They, they, if they didn't get their ass whooped so much in the first half, this wouldn't have been a problem. This play call would have never been, you know, the entire storyline of the game. Regardless, let's talk about the play call. Let's go back to that um, because it did happen and it did cost them the game, in my opinion. Bruce Arians said after the game, he said some of the guys missed the play call and didn't blitz when they had to. Then he comes back around and says they didn't miss the play call, that everyone actually did blitz. I respect him for telling the truth, but by saying that, it completely shows that the play call was not the right one in the slightest. I truly just, it blows my mind. I don't understand why you would blitz in that situation. With the weapons you know the Rams have, obviously, in theory, you want to get it out of Stafford's hands quickly. You want him to force a check down and then be out of field goal range. I guess, in theory, it makes sense in a way. But it's not like your pass rush has been extremely successful all day. The Rams O-line has been playing pretty goddamn well. And just think about the X's and O's of it. You're leaving Antoine Winfield, a safety who I believe he's 5'10". And it's not like the size really matters. It doesn't really fucking matter. He mossed Michael Pittman earlier in the year. So he's a phenomenal safety. Don't get me wrong. But this is Cooper Cup. He's the triple crown winner. He's by far, in a way, the best receiver in football right now. And he can pick apart any coverage you throw at him because he's just so damn smart. So why would you leave him one-on-one with your safety like that when you know they need another chunk play to get in better field goal range? It would have been like, what, a 57-yarder from where they were right there? And a check down would have, you know, added a few more yards to that? I'll take that. Don't let them get you over the top and make it a much easier field goal for the team entirely. It just, it was a really bad play call. It made no sense and it really frustrated the hell out of me. Again, it shouldn't have gotten to that point. So I think people are, you know, blowing it out of proportion a little bit because it never should have been this close of a game to begin with if the Bucks offense just woke up in the first half. Um, it took, you know, a small miracle and the Rams just fucking themselves over and shooting themselves in the foot a thousand times for this to even be a game. But the again, you, you, you got to say the play call was fucking awful. It made no sense. It again, in theory, I guess there's an argument for it, but X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's, you should not have Antoine Winfield lined up one-on-one with Cooper cup. End of story. doesn't matter if the blitz got there. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. And Stafford's, those dudes can make yards after the catch. So let's say even you force a check down. Who knows if OBJ doesn't just turn it up field and get, you know, a shit ton of positive yards anyways, because those dudes are very much capable of that. Even Van Jefferson is capable of that. Cooper Cup is all very much capable of that, as we know. I believe he led the league in yards after the catch. So just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I was extremely frustrated by that play call. But again, 
can't get too annoyed. Um, I just think in that scenario, the quarterbacks really need to just jam at the line, disrupts the route, disrupt the routes of the receivers, excuse me, and play leverage towards their safeties. I don't think an all-out blitz is, you know, fucking, it's just stupid. It's stupid. Anyways, the Rams were clearly the better football team. They deserve to be in the NFC Championship game. And with this loss, questions have come forward about Tom Brady's future. He's addressed a lot of these questions, and he says he's going to take it day by day. And of course, the Bucks have tons of free agents this season, just to name a few that I could think of off the top of my head when I was writing this episode. Carlson Davis is a free agent, and Dominican Sue is a free agent, Chris Godwin's a free agent, Rob Gronkowski is a free agent, and he has come out and said that if he had to decide right now if he's going to play next year, he would say no. So, And there's a few more guys, a few more key contributors that are becoming free agents. So the question really becomes... Can I see Brady stepping away from a competitive standpoint? And the answer is no. He is still extremely productive. He showed very little signs of slowing down. But think about it from his point of view. He may not think he has the roster around him to win another championship. And if he thinks that's the case, then I don't know. I I doubt he'd want to move teams again. And I doubt that he's going to you know do that to his family and all that. But I really think it's going to be hard for the Bucks to keep this roster in an elite place where they have been the past couple of years. So in a way, I'm kind of torn. Again, I think from a competitive standpoint, he will stay. I still think that, you know, he's got so much left in the tank. He's just so damn competitive. I don't think he wants to go out on a loss like this or on a loss in general. I really think he wants to go out with a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl victory. But there are legitimate arguments that the Bucks roster isn't good enough to win a championship. And I could see him making that argument to himself and to his family and to the head coaches and, you know, to management there and have him walk away. So right now, I think it's like a I, I see it like 70, 30 or like 66, 33, like something, you know, like two thirds of me says that he's going to be back in Tampa and he's going to play at least one more season. And then one third of me is kind of saying like, well, yeah, this roster might be not be able to afford all these guys. It's going to be really hard to keep this roster. Oh, like I think Ryan Jensen and like Ali Marpet are free agents. So obviously those are very big deals amongst that offensive line as well. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. And yeah, going to be just an interesting storyline to follow for a long time to come here. Let's get to the last game of the weekend. One of the games of the year. One of my favorite games I've ever seen in my entire life. I've said this a million times before this game came on, but this was the Super Bowl. I truly believe the winner of this game, of course, I'm talking about the Chiefs versus the Bills, if I didn't say that already, um, which happens to be the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, these two teams just fuck. Both the, I mean, these two quarterbacks, fuck. They're playing out of their fucking minds they are just absolutely out of their minds in the best way possible seriously this was amazing the story of this game has to become has become the overtime rules so i guess we can start there i don't think they need to change the overtime rules in the regular season but in the postseason i really i really do see why they'd want to change them and i think they should change them of course everyone wants to come up with their own version of the rule so yeah i got my own version i think they should just let each team have one singular possession Whoever scores more points on that possession wins. End of story. That's it. So let's say, let's say that team A gets the ball. Let's say, let's say, okay, we'll just say this. Let's say the Chiefs get the ball on Sunday. They drive down the field. They do what they did. They score. The Bills can get the ball back. And then let's say the Chiefs, they score, they kick an extra point, And then the Bills go down. 
they score. If they get that two-point conversion, it's over. But think about it this way. The Chiefs might know that they want a two-point conversion, so they can go for their own two-point. You know, do you get what I'm trying to say? It, it's not. It's really not complicated. If you end up with if you end up with the same points after that first possession, run it back. Each team gets one more possession, and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you end up with a team that gets more points on their one single possession. And that's that. Say a team, say the Chiefs scored, kicked an extra point, and you know they they had seven points. Then the Bills could go down and win the game if they get that two point conversion after. It's again not that complicated. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until the team can't. It's essentially like you know you've played fucking all types of games that have rebuttals and all that type of stuff. In horse, you get two shots on your last one. You get a rebuttal. It's the same thing. You just it would give the team an option to answer. And if they can't answer the bell, then that's game. That's game is game. If they get a two point conversion, the first team chose not to take a two point conversion. Fair enough. That's game. That's why you still have the coin toss. That's why you decide who starts with the ball. And who knows? Maybe teams wouldn't want to win the coin toss in that scenario. Maybe that would be an issue with it. I've seen other people suggesting first team to eight points. I've seen other people suggest uh, just all kinds of things. But I really think this is the most fair way to do it. And I don't know. Let me know what you guys think of that rule. If you guys have your own suggestion, let me know. Now let's get back to this actual game for a second because, of course, everyone's talking about overtime. Everyone's suggesting their own thing. That's my suggestion. NFL, hear me out. I think it's a good one. All right, let's get back to this game. We are going to see these teams do this for a long time to come. I can really see both of these quarterbacks winning multiple Super Bowls and having multiple MVPs by the end of their career. Let's start with Josh Allen and his performance. It was incredible to see him put his body on the line time and time again. He was rushing a lot in this game. He was initiating contact on multiple occasions. He looked absolutely unstoppable at multiple points during this game. And on that note, Gabriel Davis. That that's that's all I have to say. G- Gabriel Davis. My God, what a time to have, or what a game more like to have the game of your career. Absolutely incredible fr- performance from him. He had eight catches for 206 yards. And four goddamn touchdowns. That is absolutely incredible. Good for you, Gabriel. You're going to have a bright career ahead of you. And fantasy managers all over the place have to be taking you a lot earlier than they would have before this game. Anyways, the Thord, Thord, the Thord touchdown, the third touchdown he had in this game. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's ridiculous what he did to Brashad Breland. Brashad Breland needs some, he, you know that, like he needs some milk. He needs some milk after that one. That was fucking disgusting. He absolutely, Allen Iverson crossed up his shit. He ended up on his ass, completely exposed him. Josh Allen find, found him wide open in the end zone as he would be when you make your DB fucking sit on his ass after that nasty move. And he just, he took the guy's soul. There's this, it was just, oh my God, like I was at my work watching this and I was jumping up and down because obviously I took the bills in this game. I had their money line. I really wanted them to pull it off. I can't complain because I took the over in this game. I also can't complain because, you know, it was just pure fucking entertainment. And again, if the bills won that coin toss, they probably win this game. And then both of my bets hit regardless. I don't fucking care. My point is I, that was, man, I haven't seen an ankle breaker like that, like a literal ankle breaker like that in a very, very 
very long time, and especially in a playoff game like this, especially being his third touchdown of the game. And he wasn't done yet after that. He had another touchdown after that. Um, there was 25 points scored in the last like two something odd minutes of this game. It was just absolutely phenomenal what these weapons can do, what these quarterbacks can do. And goddamn, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just insane. I also, before I really get into the Chiefs side of the ball, I just want to mention Diggs, he did have a, a big two-point conversion in this game, Stephon Diggs, that is, but he had a very quiet night overall, which is honestly kind of more impressive that the Bills did what they did and they were able to keep up with the Chiefs while he only had three catches for seven yards. That's just very telling to their depth. It's very telling to Josh Allen and how much he trusts these receivers. And Gabriel Davis is still on a rookie contract, so he's going to be around for a little bit, so hopefully that chemistry can continue to develop. Talking about the Chiefs really quickly, um, we're going to be talking about them next week, so I'm not going to talk about them as much here. The Chiefs veteran leadership just truly showed up in this game. Travis Kelsey had a phenomenal game. Obviously, he had that game-winning touchdown. He was basically a second coach on the sidelines there for Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. He was coaching them up the whole time. There's amazing mic'd up moments. If you haven't seen those already, go look it up. He's advising Kelsey he's advising Mahomes and a lot of his advice is really working well for him so go check that out if you haven't already Tyreek Hill is absolutely ridiculous he is just a freak among freaks of speed and nature and my fucking god he's called the cheetah for a reason that catching that slant and then just running by everybody even his own blockers giving the deuces on his way out which by the way Totally should have been a taunting, but I'm not complaining at all. Um, I, I know a lot of people hate those taunting calls, and especially in that moment. I don't. I, I honestly don't really remember how the rule works there. I think they would have kept the touchdown, but maybe moved the extra point 15 yards back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or maybe the kickoff would have been like 15 yards. I don't, I don't remember. Um, I, I, I fucking hate all those taunting rules anyways. But point is, I'm very glad they didn't call it a taunting. It was ice cold what he did that I think it was he did it to Matt Milano, the Bills linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. You can guarantee he's going to remember that. He's going to give his own deuces eventually, just the way Anton Winfield did it in the Super Bowl when Tyreek Hill did it to Antoine in the regular season last year. And, man, these teams, I, I again, I just can't emphasize it enough. They're going to meet so many times in the playoffs, and it's going to be so fucking fun. And I said this a million times in my last episode. I was like ecstatic. Like I had never been more excited for a playoff game than I had for this. One. Obviously there's Super Bowls that I've been very excited for, but my point is I was so stoked for this game and it didn't disappoint at all. So I was just very happy with what happened in this game. And even if I had the Bills money line, I can't complain. It was a hell of a game. Good for the Chiefs. Josh Allen will be back here again. Uh, those guys are just, those quarterbacks, I mean, are just fucking ridiculous. Anyways, Let's preview some of these games. I'm already talking. I'm not going to take too much time here because I don't want to overanalyze it. I just want to be able to sit back and enjoy the game. And again, these games are going to be extremely competitive. So I'll just more get so get into some storylines that I really think people should be paying attention to this one. And then I'm going to, you know, call my, excuse me, call my score. Um, I'm going to say who's going to win this game, call the score, um, and then compare it against the spread later. First off, let's talk about the Rams versus the 49ers. Uh, of course, the main question in this one is, can the Niners continue to be the Rams kryptonite? I think a very, very important aspect of that is, can the Niners front four just fuck up the game plan for the Rams? Simply simply put, simply enough. Can they just push around the Rams offensive line, uh, get in Safford's face, who, by the way, was excellent under pressure and has been excellent under pressure almost all year? Um 
but can they just get to him? Uh, can they, you know, disrupt him off his reads? And then can they slow down this run game of the Rams, which I think they can. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Niners defense plays in this one. If they played at all, that how they played against the Packers, there's a very good shot they can win in this one. Obviously, being the Rams kryptonite, they're going to know that. They're going to play with that swagger, that mentality that they're better than this team because, I mean, you could argue they are. They're in the NFC Championship game for a reason. Regardless, another, the mo- other storyline I'm really looking to looking forward to in this one is will Jimmy G hold up? Will he not fuck up this game for him? And how are the Rams defense going to – how is the Rams defense going to slow down the running game of the 49ers offense? It's going to be very interesting to see what adjustments they make, how they plan on – doing that because it was obviously a very big factor in the first two times they played. And then of course, how are they going to slow down Debo Samuel it both in the run game and the pass game, because Debo, you know, is going to be Debo and he's been Debo all year and he completely Deboed. Um, is that a, yeah, that that's an adjective. He completely a verb adjective, ah, fucking whatever. Uh, he completely Deboed the Rams the last time they played him the last two times. So again, can they beat the Rams three times in a season? It's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I don't think they will. I, I just, I can't see, you know how hard it is to beat a team three times in the same year. It's going to be very, it's it's very much the same vibe that the Saints and the Bucks are showing me. And I think the Rams are just the more talented team. And as far as last, you know, you know, when the Bucks went on, I'm jumping all over the fucking place. Let me back up for a second. It's like the Saints and the Bucks because the Saints beat the Bucks twice in the regular season last year, and then the Bucks beat them in the playoffs and went on to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl in this case. I'm just saying I think the Rams are way too damn talented. I think talent-wise, they're better than the Rams, um, or excuse me, better than the Niners. Um, I still really believe in this coaching staff. They know what's on the line in this one. This is all those moves in the mid in the offseason is for a game like this one right here. Obviously, it's for a Super Bowl, but you know you got to win this game to get to the Super Bowl. No shit. Regardless, I just think this Rams staff is too bright. I think they're too talented. I think they're too hungry. And I think they barely squeak by the Niners 23-20. to 20. I believe the spreads... Ah, oh shit, it's three, isn't it? I think it's three. Wait, I'm going to look this up really quick. Nams versus Niners spread. Because now I think about it, I think I just made that a push. It's three and a half, so I guess I didn't. I guess I got the, the Niners covering. So yeah, Niners covering... Rams winning. That's fair enough. Now let's talk about the Chiefs versus the Bengals. Again, I'm not going to go over this one too extensively because I don't want to overanalyze it. I just want to be able to enjoy the game. I don't want to overthink it. Um, Just a couple storylines that I think people should be talking about is can the Bengals keep up with the Chiefs again? And in relation to that, can the Chiefs slow down Jamar Chase and not let him go absolutely fucking berserk like he did last time 266 yards three touchdowns just absolutely unreal stat line from joe burrow and then i think the other biggest question in this game is can joe burrow get better protection i don't think it's possible that you can win a game while getting sacked nine times and i'm not saying he's going to get sacked nine times again but to keep up with mahomes and you know this offense is going to be high flying in the chiefs you need to be upright you need to be able to throw the ball downfield you can't just you know, hope that the other quarterback fucks the game up enough that you can keep keep it competitive. Because let's be honest, if Tannehill doesn't throw all those picks last game, the Titans would have absolutely won that game. And it would have looked like an ass whooping, honestly, because nine sacks and, 
you know, you get the point. You get the point. Can they protect Joe, Joe Burrow on this one? Can the Chiefs slow down Jamar Chase? And can the Bengals keep up with the Chiefs offense? Those are the three storylines. I'm really paying attention to this one. I think they'll be able to keep up decently. I'm not going to count out Joe Burrow at all because, again, he is a stone-cold killer. And he is absolutely ridiculous. And his confidence is through the roof. And he is just the guy. But I don't think it's his time quite yet. I don't think this O-line is quite good enough. And I think the Chiefs are going to continue their dynasty and win this one. But the Bengals will cover 30-26. to 26. If you can hear my dog, I'm really sorry. That fucker is so annoying. That's Loki. Um, he is the worst. He is just the worst. But I can't get rid of him because, you know, we be breeding dogs and shit. And he's like one of our best looking male cavaliers. But god damn it, I hate that fucker so much. Um... All right, let's just, before I close up this podcast really quick, let's talk about Ryan Poles, not not Ryan Pace, Ryan Poles, as the Bears' new GM, and what I think of the hiring. He was the assistant uh, player personnel, I want to say, for the Kansas City Chiefs for like 13 years, something like that. So he's he's seen some good, he's seen some bad. Um, More importantly to me, though, He's seen the Chiefs completely rebuild their offensive line in one offseason. I hope he can bring some of that to the Bears because I think that's our absolutely number one priority. We could use another receiver, um, but I think if this guy can step in and help rebuild our offensive line, re-sign James Daniels. He's excellent, our guard from Iowa. Um, If we re-sign him, we bring in some young talent from the draft. Hopefully we can sign a couple of guys because our cap space isn't as bad as I thought it was. It's not completely great. Um, I've heard rumors of us, you know, potentially trading Khalil Mack. I don't think we'll do that. Um, I, I don't think that'd be smart. I still think he has a, a decent amount left in the tank and him and Robert Quinn can be extremely disruptive together. So one of the things I re- that really popped in my head, I guess, you know, two things already mentioned. Uh, enemy has seen a rebuild of the offensive line completely in one offseason. I hope he does the same thing with the Bears, as I've already mentioned. But another thought that comes to mind is Bienemy. Is Eric Bienemy the Chiefs offensive coordinator? Could he end up being the head coach of the Chicago Bears? Could Ryan Poles be pursuing him? Because he already has a very close relationship relationship to him, clearly. Um, he's definitely established himself as an offensive coordinator. He's seen the develop, development of Patrick Mahomes. He's seen how a very successful offense is ran. And I think it could be a very good hire for the Chicago Bears. I think there's a lot of good names out there. Don't get me wrong. I really wouldn't be upset with guys like, even like Jim Caldwell is a good name. It sounds like the top three right now are Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, which I don't don't know too much about that one. I, I don't, as far as, I don't know how much I like it because I think the Colts defense is just extraordinarily talented. And I think that helped him out a lot. Um, not that the Bears defense is, you know, a bunch of scrubs, but still, I think I really want an offensive guy there is what I'm trying to say. I've heard Dan Quinn be circling around, which again, I wouldn't hate the player. I've heard a lot of great things about Dan. I've heard players love him. I've heard they gravitate around him and I completely believe that. Um, but some of his success has to be contributed to, he's had some amazing staffs, particularly in Atlanta. I mean, Kyle Shanahan as your offensive coordinator, um, he was largely responsible for that defense there. Uh, but again, that one's like, all right. I like the Jim Caldwell one a lot. I like that his name's even back on the radar, and I like that he's getting a lot of people talking about him. I would not mind that hire at all. But in my opinions, my two standouts would have to be the enemy or 
why am I just completely Jim Caldwell? Sorry, Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of caffeine, not a lot, not a lot of sleep. If you can't tell, but yeah, I mean, that's really my initial thoughts about that one. I'll talk about it more into this off season. Um, if I do continue to do this podcast, um, I'm really, really looking forward to the draft season. So I'll probably keep it going for a little bit into that. But again, we'll see what ends up happening there. Everything's just kind of up in the air right now. Regardless, it was an amazing weekend for football. And I'm so excited for championship weekend. And of course, the Super Bowl a couple weeks after that. But that's going to be it for me today, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends and family. Follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. If you got all the way to the end, I appreciate the absolute hell out of you. So thank you so much and have a great rest of your day, guys. Peace out.